Legal Toolkit with Jared Correa. With guests, Andreas Becker. We play dream podcast music. And then, Jared judges all other hosts, past and present, to see who can challenge him for supremacy. But first, your host, Jared Correa. It's the Legal Toolkit Podcast. Do I sound like Evan? Or as my friends like to call it, I actually don't have any friends. Anyway, and yes, it's still called the Legal Toolkit Podcast, even though I don't own a grinder. And what the fuck is that exactly? Is it like Tinder, but just for carpenters? Like some farmers only shit? These dating sites are getting out of control. I'm your host, Jared Korea. You're stuck with me because Mr. Beast was unavailable. He was too busy giving me food poisoning with the now defunct Mr. Beast Burger and pushing these nuts on the American public. I'm the CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, a business management consulting service for attorneys and bar associations. Find us online at redcavelegal.com. I'm the COO of Gideon Software, which builds chatbots and conversational document assembly tools for law firms. Check out our new e-signature platform at gideonlegal.com. Now, before we get to our interview today about software demos with my homie, Andreas Becker, let's talk about, I mean, what the fuck, KPIs? Yeah, let's talk about KPIs. I'm not going to bore you with my whole thesis on analytics because I believe I've done this before on the podcast. Now, you know, I'm a data hound. I'm terrible at math. Always have been. I stopped like understanding math effectively when I hit pre-calculus. But I do like numbers and simple statistics. So this has infected baseball and other sports like the money ball stuff. Wall Street people use analytics and data and statistics. Manufacturing basically invented lean methodology. Were lawyers to be found? I don't know. They sure ain't using KPIs. So I've talked before about different KPIs that you can use in your firm. Now I want to break that down into five categories. Financial metrics, marketing metrics, performance metrics, DIY KPIs, fun stuff, creating new KPIs, five categories, okay? Let's talk about your financial metrics. What numbers should you be looking at in your practice related to your revenue? Uh, Number one, if you get a profit and loss statement, guess what? That gives you some idea of what your profitability is. How much money do you actually make after you pay your overhead? You should be running accounts receivable reports as well. 30, 60, 90 days out. Collection rate. How much money you make on your invoices that you send out. Realization rate. How much money gets written off of those invoices that you don't have any chance to collect. Utilization rate. How much time do you and your staff actually bill or perform work during the workday? All those are great financial metrics that should be table stakes for law firms at this point. And really the utilization rate one is probably the most important because that allows you to run a more efficient law firm, which allows you to take on more work. Pretty easy, right? That's simple math. Takes you less time to do the cases you have, you can take on more cases or go on vacation. Fuck it. Yeah, go on vacation. Other financial metrics, average value per case. So you can create revenue projections. Yeah, you should be doing that as 2024 approaches case type distribution. Lawyers always get this wrong when I ask them. How many cases do you have in this area? What percentage of your practice does that represent? The guess is always wrong. 
Revenue per square foot. How much office space do you really need? Payment type distribution. How are people paying you? How do they want to pay you? And if you run billing codes or billing descriptions, you can search those too to see what kind of work you do the most of. So many enjoyable financial metrics. We're going to do this quick, so I hope you're taking notes. No, don't take notes. You can just listen to this again. Marketing metrics, segment two, cost per lead. Most lawyers are out there doing networking, and they don't affiliate the cost with networking to getting a lead. Client acquisition cost, you've heard that? Which is slightly different than cost per lead, because what you're looking at there is like, okay, how much does it cost me to actually convert a client? There are steps beyond just getting a lead that potentially costs money and time that you should be looking at. What's your conversion rate in total? And what's your conversion rate of wanted clients, like people that you actually want to work with, right? Segment efficiency. How quickly are you getting through the different phases of a case in the same way that you would think about how quickly you're getting through the phases of building a car? What could be next and more exciting than this? Now, we've walked through financial metrics, but guess what? I have more for you. Performance metrics. So what kind of performance metrics should you be looking at in your law firm? Well, all those financial metrics and marketing metrics I talk about, guess what? You could apply those firm-wide or you could apply those to individual performers in the firm. So you got a bunch of performance metrics we already addressed. How about proficiency within the firm? It's easier to track how fast someone works and it's tougher to track the quality of that work. So that's more of a qualitative analysis. So how do you apply some quantitative analysis to that? Well, grade people. Somebody's giving you an assignment who's an associate who's not performing at the level you want, grade 10 random assignments and figure out what grade they have. One out of 10, A through F, and then compare that with other associates to get a baseline. Like what's the performance level you're looking for in the firm and how can you grow that performance, make it better? We'll talk more about that in a second because that's super interesting. Okay, number four, category number four, DIY KPIs, do-it-yourself KPIs. So law firms are different in the sense that like they're going to have different KPIs that are useful for specific firms that may not be useful for other firms. So you can use these generic ones I talked about, but you can also create some specific ones that work just for your firm. So let's talk about some of those. If you're a personal injury firm, what about one demand letter per week? If you're a firm that needs some more professional development out of your associates, why don't you give them two hours a week to do some training and then also retrain, like talk about what they learned, teach it to somebody else in the firm. That's a great investment as well. If you're a firm that takes on settlements, maybe you try to reduce the disbursement time from one month to two weeks. If you've got somebody who's managing intake for you, maybe the play is let's set up a KPI so that we reach 24 hours to schedule an initial consultation after a lead first reaches out. If you're an estate planning firm, maybe you want to have six design and vision meetings every month to get to your revenue numbers. These are actually real KPIs that I've worked on with various firms that I consult with. So think about what works within your practice and use that too. Now, how about creating new KPIs? Totally new KPIs for legal because we're borrowing these from other industries. I talked about before, like what's the baseline of an effective associate in your firm? Well, there's a great baseball statistic called war wins over replacement. 
which takes a regular player, an average player in baseball, and compares it to other individuals to see how much more value they have than your average player. So Shohei Itani, baseball unicorn, he's got a crazy war, which means if you acquire somebody like Shohei Itani, he's going to give your team like seven to eight more wins this season than the average player. You can do something like that in legal if you're tracking people's efficiency and proficiency. How about churn rate? which is taken from the technology software world. How many people do you lose off subscriptions? If you're a law firm that's running subscriptions, you want to know what your churn rate is because you want to keep people on those subscriptions. Marketing click-through rate. How many people actually click on your stuff? Like you send them an email, but what do they do with it? Monthly active users is another really interesting KPI from the software field that lawyers don't use. If you're a software company, you want to make sure that people are not only subscribing to your software, but that they're actually using it because that's going to reduce your way for a churn rate. Now, as a lawyer, you're in position to be really effective here because you can use new tools like client portals to make sure that you're consistently engaging with your clients and they're consistently engaging with you. Net Promoter Score is another one borrowed from other industries. You send out a single survey request, which is how likely would you be to send us a referral on the scale of one to 10? The higher that number is, the more effective your firm is at customer service. So you're like, fucking A, that's a lot of numbers. I went to law school to not do math. How do I manage all this stuff? Well, the good news is that some of this stuff is rendered automatically in the software you're using. So for financial KPIs, look at your case management software, look at your time billing software, look at your accounting software. For marketing KPIs, look at your customer relationship management software, your intake tools, your web analytics tools, and even call monitoring programs like CallRail. For performance KPIs, you got those grades you're giving on your own, but you've also got case management software, time and billing software, customer relationship management software, tons of different places to pull these stats from. So guess what? That all means there's no excuse any longer. Get your KPIs up and running. Let's find out more about what our sponsors can do for your busy law practice before we talk with Andreas Becker about asking the right questions around software. Then stay tuned as we talk about podcast intro and outro songs in the one and only Rump Roast. What you may not know is the way that your law firm bills clients may directly impact whether they hire you in the first place. It's true. That's why I've got Joshua Lennon from Clio. He's a lawyer in residence over there to talk to me about this subject. Joshua, go ahead, expound. Yeah, 70% of clients are telling us they want to pay via payment plans. And while hourly rates are the most common fee structure offered by law firms, clients are telling us 67% that they want the option to pay for legal services via flat fees. Wow, so what should lawyers do? Well, only 37% of law firms actually offer flat fees on any legal matter. So if you want to stand out, start offering flat fees. Thanks, Joshua. To learn more about the billing preferences of today's legal clients, download Clio's Legal Trends Report for free at clio.com slash trends. That's Clio spelled C-L-I-O dot com slash trends. Partner with Rankings.io, the marketing agency for law firms that want results, not excuses. With flat rates for Google ads, a track record ranking attorneys for the most competitive terms on Google, and a team always easy to reach by phone, even during off hours, Rankings.io is the agency of choice for firms that want the rankings, traffic, and cases 
other law firm marketing agencies just can't deliver. Visit rankings.io for a free consultation and start seeing your firm grow. Okay, everybody, let's get to the meat in the middle of this legal podcasting sandwich. Today's meat, Rocky Mountain oysters, which are, well, it's probably better left unsaid. All right, that's enough of that bullshit. Let's talk to our guest. We have today in his first and hopefully not his last appearance on the Legal Toolkit podcast, Andreas Becker, the director of business development at LawYaw, which is a Clio company. Andreas, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? What an intro. Not bad, Pretty right? Good. I mean, let's good. just see how this goes. Good. It's, it's, it's going to be all right. It's going to be at yeah. least a f- five of 10 podcast. I feel strongly about that. You just did this Clio thing with LawYaw, right? So talk to me about that. Like, you guys were like a smaller team. You get acquired by a big company. What's that What's that like? What's oh, that you, like? Want to go, you want to go straight in. We don't fuck around here. Yeah, yeah. No, now, it's this a fair is the question. part where you say Cleo's been fucking amazing. And they have. I mean, yes. it's been a really crazy process. I'm kind yeah. of starting out uh, working at LawYaw with one of my classmates from law school and doing the small startup thing and having you know, this strong partnership with Clio and, and to be sitting at their offices in Toronto right now. Um, <laughs> it's been a trip. Yeah. For sure. Right. Adjustment sounds like it's been pretty good, though. Is this a big change? You know, like I'd probably liken it to being at like a small Catholic school, not to get religious on you, and then going to like a <laughs> okay. big university, right? Like that would be kind of what it was like, I would think. Okay. Okay. So this actually works because I went to, you know, parochial school for, okay. you know, oh, through high school and then went to Santa Barbara for undergrad. And that's my first public school. Experience. Oh, I wow. would say that that okay. is a pretty strained analogy, actually. I don't think it quite <laughs> tracks, but I wanted to give you something. <laughs> Thank um, you. I appreciate yeah, that. No, yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> don't make me look like a total asshole on my own show. No, You're I mean, man. you'll probably, you can edit it out. Um, <laughs> this has been, a you know, just a huge learning process for, I think, Clio, for ourselves, obviously. Um, You've seen all sorts of, you know, consolidation in the in the space in general. Right. And so all of these companies are going through similar ebbs and flows of, of understanding how to onboard a new team, not just That's the good new point. team, obviously the new technology, but so much of it is about the people, to be perfectly honest. That's a great point, I think. Point, Clio's, done I think. A, Clio's done a really good job of that because the challenges are going to be there from a technology standpoint, but making sure that the people feel supported, it's going to be hard. It's not, it's not going to be easy, right. but- to exhibit, you know, the support that Cleo has is why I'm still here. <laughs> but but they haven't been ins- right, right, because you can move on if you get to a new company. And like, I feel like Cleo hasn't been insanely aggressive about bringing on tons of different software providers. They've been very choosy about who they've added, which is like kudos to you and Tucker. Yeah, they definitely have, and I think it kind of fits their their model as well. They, you know, they're kind of the sales force of the legal tech space. Mm-hmm. They're not. You know, we're going to do everything all in one. You know, we're going to, you know, partner with best in class point solutions and vendors and, you know, be able to hook up with them and pass data back and forth and integrate really well. And they make, you know, strategic bets. But no, I don't think they, I think that's fair classification. They haven't been overly aggressive. And that's a good analogy. Clio is a sales force of legal. Okay. So I'm not going to blindside you with anything else. 
We're done with the blindsiding. Okay. You were talking to me. You, you said something really interesting to me when we were talking about what to discuss. I thought it was super interesting when you were like, okay, these lawyers, like, they're so aggressive about protecting their time, especially the billable hour attorneys. And then they'll get on a fucking demo for like 30 minutes to 60 minutes, and they won't have any kind of plan, no clue what to ask about, no strategy. Like, why Again, is that? These that are seems your so words. weird. Yes, these, <laughs> these are my words. Are, these yes. are your words. I'll own yes. all this shit. Yeah, I'm happy. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, so talk, I, walk, walk me back down. Talk me down. <laughs> so I think there's so many attorneys who have it really figured out and come to, you know, any one of these consultations. I don't like doing a demo. I don't need my salespeople to, you know, get on a call just to sh walk someone through the platform. That is not the point of this. Right. It is, we talk with this many attorneys and these many practice areas. These are the patterns that we see. Help us flesh things out for you. Otherwise, what exactly do you want me to show you? I can show you the general flow. I can send you a video. And I'm not saying don't take right. demos. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if you get certain questions from, you know, a good, quote unquote, salesperson and account executive, they're doing it for a reason. It's all designed to be quick. But to get yeah. to the heart of the matter, and if you just want to like, you know, if you just want to see the platform, you know, the magic words are, I'm really, really curious about this stuff. You know, I saw this here and here. I don't really know quite yet what I might use it for, but I think I'll have a better idea once I get into the platform. Can I just see it? I mean, like, if you want to get into the screen share, but you want to talk with someone along the way to kind of like get a feel for things, if, if you're short on time. That's a good way to do it. But there's certain questions that someone's going to ask you that are just calculated to understand, like, what's the problem we're trying to solve here? Because there's so much software out there and so many things that people are telling you that you need. And not everyone needs sophisticated legal document automation right now. Oh, sure. I mean, anyone, yeah. can, anyone can get benefit from it. Right. But, I mean, you have to justify the cost and, you know, all the different things. Like, it doesn't make sense for every single practice. Or it makes more sense for certain practices than others. And you're always prioritizing yes. different things. So that's what those questions are, are calibrated to do. Like, let's prioritize and figure out, is there a problem that we can solve? I think that's a really thoughtful response. So these are questions that you and your sales team are asking of people, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So trying to drive what the problem is. Now, do you get attorneys who are like a hot bench? where they're like asking you a ton of questions and they want to take a deep dive into the software? Like, definitely. Okay. Definitely. I, I would assume that most of it is like handholding for you. Would it be fair to say like 80% of the people you kind of have to walk through the process because they don't know what they want? Or no, would I, would, high? I would say, I think that's high. Okay. I think it's changing. Like maybe four years ago when I was just starting and right. we were kind of selling different you know, a different class of, of what we do now, people generally understood the how, how it worked, but there was more hand-holding. And I think over the years, document automation hasn't, I'm not going to say it's table stakes, but most people have some familiarity with it. Even if they haven't utilized it, they understand the basic concepts. And that right. wasn't the case maybe, you know, three, four years ago. I feel like when the pandemic hit, like a lot of these lawyers who were just ignoring technology for a while, like had to figure it out a little bit. And they at least started wow. asking more intelligence <laughs> questions. Hot take from Jared. 
<laughs> I know. Right? Yeah, lawyers no, lawyers don't really get to. You ever notice that lawyers are not super tech savvy? Um, <laughs> but I do think like they've been asking questions in a different way to totally generalize. Like in my practice, like I get a lot of lawyers that come to me and they say, before 2020, they were like, I'm really disorganized. I don't know what the fuck to do. And now they're telling me, oh, I need processes and workflows. And it sounds like it was a similar thing for you, where people are now probably coming to you and being like, hey, we need document assembly, document automation. Now how do we get to the next step? And I think that's an important, subtle difference. So I'm just making the connection. You're, you're absolutely correct. The pandemic did you know, change things across industries. It's not industry specific, but attorneys, right. and this is an unsolicited you know, sound bite that I've used in webinars before. Oh, and cool. I hope it's not too pedantic, but like, no, and works. I was the same way when I was practicing. I was an attorney who happened to, I didn't own a business, but my dad was practicing, you know, I was working with my dad. So yeah. I wasn't thinking like a business owner. And the thing that I try and, in part, because I wasn't good at it. My dad, my dad was, but like, I just didn't have that sense is people, you know, attorneys should be thinking like business owners who happen to be an attorney or run a, a law practice. And the distinction can be like subtle, but like as a term, when we're thinking about it, as attorneys, we're just so risk averse, which is great for our clients. Right. And can be problematic when we're kind of like <laughs> not so great trying to like else. not get into that analysis paralysis and make decisions <laughs> about, you know, tools to implement processes to build out that sort of thing. And what's interesting, I'm just making the connection now is like when the pandemic hit, it wasn't that just people were forced to like, oh, I need a cloud-based tool to do my court forms or, you know, to do document automation so people can work remotely. Now they're thinking about the next disaster. They're not disaster, but like what's yeah. that next thing? I mean, again, no. we're, no, we're just doing strained analogies all over the place. But maybe that everyone was hit and now it's they're asking a different class of questions. That's a good and point. And AI has definitely, you know, I, we get people uh, coming in all the time like, AI. So we're, what's the AI components like? Well, we, we're just doing the document automation component like, right now, but those are those are good <laughs> those are good questions. But it's good that it's you know these types of developments are kind of pushing the issue. Well, let me ask you. So you got some people coming in, they're asking questions, they're a hot bench. Sometimes you're guiding people to like, hey, what problem could we solve for you? Maybe we can, maybe we can't. It is. So like, what about post demo? Like, I'm a lawyer. I just saw this product. I'm it fucking hurts. hot to try. I'm like, I could buy that shit. Like, what yep. do you do next as a lawyer? Like, what do you take a trial account? Do you try to learn more about it? Do you talk to other attorneys? No. Like, what's the best things to do to make that decision to if you, Okay. So if you are an attorney, throw down the credit card. <laughs> just throw down the credit card. No, I think you should definitely Sales listen guy. to, no, go ahead. you know, friend, <laughs> business development guy. Uh, you know, listen to friends, look at websites that have, you know, done reviews, right. test the salesperson. Like if they're confident in their product, they'll give you a couple of other tools to check out. I do that. If I think someone's a better fit based on their specific yeah. needs, I would absolutely tell them, look at this tool because it might meet these certain needs. If I think like, cause I don't need like a soft, maybe like, I don't need someone like to, if I don't think they're a fit, then I'm going to tell them to go somewhere right. else. If I think it's up in the air, then it's a discussion about like prioritization of needs that, you know, each different, you know, vendor meets. And I've never gone wrong. It's never worked against me to just be as object, try and be as objective. No, I think as it's possible. really cool that you take that approach. 
All right, so I'm going to throw you one more question here in the official interview part of the podcast, okay. which I think is All a right. softball question. We'll see. Like, okay. what's the one question that every law firm should ask on a product demo? Is there one? Or a consultation, as you guys call it. I would just ask, like, what is the number one problem that people come to you, like, if, if <laughs> that you think you can solve? Because that then definitely, because that will open up a couple of different, you know, avenues potentially. They'll say, you know, kind of depends on your practice area. It depends on, you know, the size, the composition, the user, what have you, regardless of the product. But that's a really fair and open question because we want to ask, the consultants want to ask open questions, not yes, no's. And that's an open question to be asking, like, tell me, you know, who gets the most value out of your tool based on what you know about my practice, and that kind of creates this social contract to give them some experience. What are you seeing? What are the trends that you see? And then, you know, attorneys are really good at reading people. Yeah. We're not going to bullshit anyone. We're not, we're not going <laughs> to fool anyone. So I think asking a question like that and seeing if someone can be objective and not be overly salesy and really kind of tie back, are they, were they listening to everything that you spoke to when they were kind of trying to figure out, you know, the problems that you were, that you were listing? Right. I think that's a fair question. I mean, there are probably some better ones, but like have an idea that's about like what you want to get out of that 30 minutes or that 20 minutes or that, you know, sometimes it's 45 minutes, you know, it says, what do you want to get out of this? What's the problem you want to solve? And then can you solve that? Can you guys solve this thing? Mm. That's a yes, no. But like, how are you going to solve this? Excellent work, sir, as usual. Thanks. Will you hang around for the rump roast? No, I got to go. All right, man. We'll figure <laughs> something else out. No, okay. Andreas, we'll be back. We'll take one final sponsor break so you can hear more about our sponsor companies and their latest service offerings. Then stay tuned for the rump roast. It's even more supple than the roast beast. Simplify. With Cosmolex, the only fully integrated practice management solution. Everything you need, accessible anywhere. Trust and general accounting is built in so you don't need QuickBooks. Cosmolex's Money Finder reminds you to bill for work you put into client matters so you don't leak money. That's messy. Lower cost, better business, and less frustration. Yes, please. It's all built in with Cosmolex. Free trial and take 20% off your first year at Cosmolex.com. Contract automation isn't a trend. It's a strategic imperative. Though big players in the e-sign world will make you believe implementing it will cost you big bucks and more than a few headaches, it doesn't have to be that way. DocuB is an easy to onboard, full suite of products that includes e-signature, brilliant workflow capabilities, and AI contract automation at nearly half the price of those out-of-touch behemoths. The one thing DocuB doesn't automate? Their customer service. Visit get.docub.com slash contracts to set up a call with a real live person. DocuB will be with you every step of the way. Welcome, welcome friends to the rear end of the Legal Toolkit. That's right, it's once again the Rump Roast. It's a grab bag of short form topics, all of my choosing. Why do I get to pick? Because I'm the host. Well, actually, that's not entirely true this time, because my guy, Andreas, came up with a phenomenal subject for what might end up being the rumpiest of roasts. So, Andreas, we were talking about your podcast that you're planning to launch, right? 
Oh yeah, that's not yeah. that's not actually a. Th- you're gonna launch a podcast, but that we're in, is not we're actually in stealth mode. <laughs> in stealth mode for the podcast. <laughs> so we were kind of spitballing about intro music, outro music, and we were talking about like, boy, it'd be great to have like whatever song we wanted, but all the really good songs are too expensive because they have royalties attached to them, which is why you hear like generic royalty-free music on our podcast. But I think pretty good generic royalty-free music. So what we're going to do is you and I are going to relay our top intro songs for podcasts. If you could pick whatever song you wanted to without royalties being an issue. And then we're each going to name an outro song. So I have no idea what you picked. You have no idea what I picked. And we're going to be able to comment on this. So being the guest, I would like you to start so start with your worst and move to your best. The worst at the worst of the best, you mean? The worst of the best. <laughs> so I liked Midnight Rider. Oh. Greg Allman. Oh yeah. Why? I mean, why not, right? But it's kind of like why not, but I like how everything kind of comes in. It, it, the podcast that I, I really like, you know, you can kind of trail off once the vocals start. You get a little bit of the vocal, but you get a nice yes. build up in the guitar or whatever. Yes. I got to, re- oh, well, I'm not going to sing. You can but sing. Like, you just you, did. You just sang. Yeah, I know, but I'm not, but I was about to, my voice was about to crack. <laughs> like I could like trail off a couple seconds after and you could kind of maybe hear Midnight Rider at the end and then we get into it. So I'm always looking for something put a lot of thought into my songs in this stealth mode. That is, that is great. I, I think we're vibing in the same area here. Well, we're, because I'm, I'm going like to pretty soon. Uh, okay, okay, me too. I like the Greg Allman sound. So my number four of four is a song by Steve Earle. What's the name of it? Steve Earle's got the song called Feel All Right. I love these like quietly menacing songs where like... <laughs> <laughs> it's like just chill song, but you know this guy's seen some shit, right? The narrator. <laughs> well, like, but he's going to keep it moving anyway. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I had a couple eight balls, but I still feel all right. I'm moving forward. And this song's sure. got like a great guitar intro. And then they have this cymbal crash that appears in the song Oh, well, yeah, we're totally on the same level right so now. So <laughs> I, I would take that initial guitar riff, cymbal crash, maybe the first few lines up until where he says, I feel all right tonight, and the band kicks in. Like, uh-huh. that would be my number four. Steve Earle, Hardcore Troubadour. I can't wait to listen to it. Uh, I'm going to put all our songs together in a playlist so people I can like listen it. to them. So. I like it. Go ahead. You're number three. All right. I mean, this one's going to be, and we all get one that's just kind of like, of course you picked that. But, yeah. I mean, give me shelter. Give me shelter. Oh, like, stones. I think, yeah, because, like, that was, I play a lot of rock band <laughs> At one point, <laughs> Rock Band 3, that was the opening song. Yes, yes. And like, it just has this nice, again, that's kind of on the same level as Midnight Ride, like different, but like kind of a soft opening. And then they get going. Yes. And you actually don't have to, you don't have to hear any lyrics. Not that they wouldn't be great, but I think that would be a clean intro. You kind of want to get people pumped up a little bit, but it's not like there's a major pump up either. And I think everybody would know that song too. Even totally. if they don't know what the song is, they know the riff. Again, we're in a we're in a royalty free perfect world. <laughs> so yeah, I get it. Yeah, thank, I thank want, you, Mick Jagger. What's your number three? My number three, going with a very popular artist, but potentially an unknown song or a deep track. Okay. Elton John. Um, okay. Song is called "Funeral for a Friend." 
slash love lies bleeding. So. Okay. I was thinking about some Elton John songs, actually. Elton John but... is, I feel like, good for this. So this is off Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. The song okay. is 11 minutes and eight seconds long. And if I wanted to be a real asshole, I could just play the whole song before the podcast started. What if that was your outro? <laughs> That's <laughs> the 11-minute outro. <laughs> so this song, the first part is called Funeral for a Friend. It's like this piano dirge. It's got some guitars in it. But then the second part, Love Lies Bleeding, is like a straight rock and roll song. And right at the 4.52 mark, the two songs oh, transition. No, I, love that. I love that you know that. Okay. The guitars okay. kick in. Then it goes quiet. Then the piano solo comes up. Uh, then the cars and the piano come together. Never. It's like this crescendo. It's amazing. That sounds like that sounds like a good one. I can't wait to listen. To great, that. great song. If you have not listened to it, all right. Number two, number two okay, for you. I'm excited. Oh god, that was so hard to sign between one, two, and one. Oh, all right, build the suspense. But, I like it. Yeah, I think I'm going with Electric Relaxation oh. by Tribe Called Quest. Oh, an instrument, nice. instrumental. Wow. Uh, I don't think we need to get. Because I love, you know, Ronnie Foster. You hit with Ronnie Foster, Ronnie Mystic Brew. Foster. Do I? Know? No, I don't know. Yeah, if it's I a know classic jazz kind of. Um, I'm not a huge you know, jazz guy, super, but I have friends of mine who are really into jazz. That's why I was so into early '90s hip hop. There was so much sampling from my parents. Listened to a lot of jazz. Oh, and that this makes was sense. my favorite. One of my favorite songs growing up, and it's just got a nice, even keel to the build of the beat. And the drop is perfect. And I've just thought about like, oh, welcome everyone to the, whatever the title of my podcast is with Andre Specker <laughs> to that song. Oh, I need to work on it. That's a, that's a good pick. <laughs> I hope your number one is Hit em Up by Tupac, but we'll get there. Oh <laughs> uh, man, no, that's my outro. <laughs> All right, I see we've right. reached the rap section of the podcast because I also have a rap song for my number two. That is... Uh, Damn, it feels good to be a gangster by Ghetto Boys. Oh, that was a cool bucket. It's a great pick. <laughs> that's a great pick. That's a great Same pick. reason for your super chill, laid that's back. Great, now I'm rethinking my outro now that you brought Ghetto Boys into this. <laughs> that's a great pick. That's the pick of the uh, of the rump row so far. Oh, good, good. All right. Yeah, Damn. we can pick a best pick after this. We'll Pretty see. Maybe good. it's that one. I don't know. But that was also an office based great movie. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Uh, now, now, big time. Number one. This is, I know I said electric relaxation. It's like one of my, I don't know if I said it was my favorite, but the far side running back in the day, the instrumental again, but also like I kind of like the can't keep running away. I wouldn't do the instrumental. I'd, I'd keep it can't keep running away because it kind of speaks to me. Yes. It's like, yeah. If you'd be doing, if you want to like, I, if I did a podcast, like I wanted to be about like, okay, how do you find, you know, that area of legal that you would really want, you know, that speaks to you, that works for you. I like that. I'm getting too deep into it, but I also like the Stan Getz sample. I think you can't go wrong with it. All right. So my, my number one is like, I don't know, it's a really famous song, but I think it works for a podcast. So Buffalo Springfield, for what it's uh, worth. Okay. So here's why I like it. The music in the song is like pretty varied. And interesting, like they got the hand claps, they got the bass line, yeah. they got that short guitar solo near the end, they got it's, that pinging sound that sounds like dripping water. I love that. Yeah, 
That's a great. That's a great song. And also, like, there's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. Like that defines this podcast pretty well. Yeah. And then they also have got relationships to hearing. So stop, children. What's that sound? Everybody, look what's going down. I think that's great for a podcast. So that is, yeah, that is very good. All right, we've moved into the the rump roast stage of the rump roast. Your outro song. What is your podcast outro song? No royalties needed. So you had me thinking about how good my mind's playing tricks on me would be oh, a fucking great as, song. A, as an <laughs> as a, as an outro. <laughs> I was stuck with you know breakdown by Tom Petty. Oh, I like that could be an intro song too. Yeah. But that would be a great outro. But I'm actually gonna go with "Take the Long Way Home" by Supertramp. Oh shit! <laughs> wow, you gave us three really good ones there. Oh man, do I go with breakdown? Yeah, I'm going with Supertramp. I just think it's a it's a good and Those it makes are, sense as an outro. It makes Take a, a long it way. makes Take a, the long it way makes way a home. ton of sense. So would you have considered "Minds Playing Tricks on Me"? Because that'd be a really interesting. I did one too. just because that was you know I think you go through various stages in your adolescence where a certain song is your favorite song. And I can remember certain times where that was the song. Oh yeah, the song sure. and the video was like a whole vibe back in the day. I'm throwing all three of those on the playlist. Do it. I like them all. Do it. I mean, I... Cool. So my outro, pretty cheesy. Like, I had considered Closing Time by <laughs> Semisonic, but then I was like, that's like terrible. I can't do that. Throw it on the playlist. <laughs> I'm going to put it on there anyway. <laughs> Throw it on the playlist. <laughs> so it's I really went, because that was a song, when I was in college, that was a song that they ended every dance to. Like, that was, yeah, the, it was like, it was like omnipresent. Um, yep. Semisonic, not supersonic. That's right. So I went with The End by The Beatles, because yeah, I, I mean, it's the end of the podcast. Yeah. And I just love the song. Like, the intro's good. Ringo's drum work is really good after that. And then at the end, they have the whole, like, and in the end, love you make kind of thing. But there's a part that starts at 53 seconds, which is, like, yeah. they all the guitars, they bring in one guitar and then another guitar and then another guitar and then another guitar, and they're each playing a different part, and right, they meld them right. all together. That just fucking thrashes. I love that. And that is my outro song. It's just sublime. It's an excellent song, and I'm so curious to know how much these would cost. <laughs> like, I'm um, so curious we now. may be into the seven figures at this point. Rolling Stones, yeah. Beatles, Greg Allman, we got them all. And then we just threw some yeah. Tom Petty songs on there for the hell of it. So Just for the hell of it. This was a fun rump roast. Thank you. That was pretty good. So let this be well. a lesson to others. Like, you come at me with a good idea. Like, I don't have to harass you with trivia questions. Like, we'll do something like this. This was great. Andreas, thanks for coming on. You're amazing, as expected. Thank you so much for having me. Let's uh, let's do this again. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, sir. If you want to find out more about Andreas Becker and Lawyaw, visit lawyaw.com. That's L-A-W-Y-A-W.com. Lawyaw.com. Now, for those of you listening in Raisin City, California, I know you're out there. Check out our latest Spotify playlist where I've collected all of mine and Andreas's podcast music selections. That's right. I went through all the effort to make a playlist of like 11 songs. Sadly, I've run out of time to talk about Dick. Cavett, you fucking perverts. This is Jared Greer reminding you not to eat random berries that you find in the woods, you dumb bastard.
If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.